0: This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for March 4th, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today's Gospel story, we hear the story of the rebuke of Peter, which you know in many ways seems somewhat unfair, doesn't it? I mean, after all, all he wanted was for Jesus not to have to be tortured to death. Seems like a reasonable thing to, you know, not want to have happen. He wasn't trying to be um, hateful to Jesus or trying to, and then for that he got called Satan. And it says that um, that at the end, Jesus tells him this story, the the people, you know, if any would follow me, they must take up their cross and follow me. But at the end, he says those words about, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful and adulterous generation, I will be ashamed of them When I return with the angels in glory. Now, think how Peter felt at that moment. I mean, it was pretty obvious what provoked the whole conversation. It was what Peter had said to him. And yet, what Peter had done was the, I think, biggest, hardest, most difficult human sin that is out there. We believe that we need to take care of things. We believe that we need to control our environment. You know, we see it later with Peter. Remember, he says, you know, um, nothing will happen to you, Lord, as long as I'm here in the, in the garden. He takes the sword to go after the high priest's slave and goes at him. He's, he's going to take it in charge. He's not going to let this happen to Jesus. It's not reasonable. And every time, Jesus rebukes him. We see it in our families today, you know, when spouses try to change each other, when we try to control our kids, you know. And it doesn't really matter that it's never worked, by the way, um, because we just pass it on one generation, does it to the next, and you would think the fact that we can't even control our pets would tell us something about what we ought to try to do with human beings. And then we try to control our society as well. You know, we think that if we can somehow or other pass enough laws that society will be good. And that's not a, a, um, a conservative or liberal thing, by the way. It's just a matter of which laws you want to pass. Uh, you know, but if we can make those people be good, they would do it. You know, and if you're conservative, you tend to focus more on the conservative issues, social issues and things. If you're, um, you know, liberal, then you tend to focus more on gun control laws and things like that. But either way, it's still this effort to get everybody to do the right thing. How long we been here now? And it doesn't work. All because we've totally ignored this very passage. Because the truth is, is that as Paul says in today's epistle lesson, the law came into the world to bring about disobedience. Did you ever think about that? That's what law does. It does nothing to change anyone's heart. That's why I think it's always funny when we want to pass laws. Because isn't the very definition of a criminal someone who doesn't want to obey the law? So if you pass more laws, what makes you think that I mean, I guess you could make more criminals, but I don't think you're going to convert any criminals to be good. But somehow or other, we keep saying, you know, if we pass this law, then this won't happen. Well, no, it does happen anyway, because those things are not solutions. We can't provide for our own safety. Just this past week, a 17-year-old boy went into Chardon High School east of Cleveland now, Chardon is a, is a sleepy little town, kind of, I mean, it's basically like being in Delaware or Marion or something compared to, to Columbus. And he walked in and, and shot at five people, and he killed three of them. He said he wasn't really targeting anybody specific. That makes it better, right? I mean, how many laws can you have that prevent such insanity where kids kill kids? You know is there Is there something somebody should have done and, and the inevitable where were that boy 's parents right well i 'll tell you where the parents were they 're both addicted and, and alcoholics they 're both addicts and alcoholics. They never married. They never really much lived together. Um, He did have a stepfather at one time, but his mother had since divorced. Both his mother and father had been in prison. And you think, well, let's go to the extended family. Well, he was arrested, you know, uh, the kid was arrested one time for domestic violence because he got in the middle of a fight where his uncle was trying to beat up his older brother, who's also an addict. That doesn't seem very fair, does it? So what hope is there then? You know, we always want to think, "Oh, that wouldn't happen to us." That's why we move to places like Lewis Center and Westerville and Dublin, you know, and Kahana, the places that are safe. But it just follows you out there. Did you all see that um, there was an armed robbery at the BP store over here in Polaris last week? Do you hear about the drug busts that go on in Lewis Center? One of which was in Olentangy High School's parking lot. You see, laws don't change people. Never has, never will. If you want to change people, it's going to take something different. And that's what Peter didn't get. He thought that he was going to be the enforcer and provide for security. And we do that too. We think that we're going to keep our family safe. You know, we're not going to let these things happen to them. And, and when something does happen to them, it's so much easier when something happens to a kid of a friend or something to think either, well, they were just a bad apple, like they were somehow the other rotten fruit. Or um, what was the matter with the parents? They didn't teach them any better. But honestly, the fault doesn't lie in those places. It doesn't lie with the government. It doesn't lie with you know the parents. It doesn't really even lie entirely with the kid, although they certainly share a large share of it it's us we have so lost track of who and what we are you know we have become ashamed of the gospel now if I asked you if you were ashamed of Jesus Christ and his gospel you'd tell me no I mean because that wouldn't be nice right if you asked Peter if he was ashamed of Jesus what do you think he would have said he would have said no too But how willing are we to go along with the things that are going on in our country? Did you know there's over 200 million Christians in this country? Do you know that? That's a lot of Christians. And somehow, in the midst of 200 million Christians, we've allowed them to tell us where and when we can talk about our faith. Now, what would happen if 200 million people said, No, I'm not doing that. What would they do? And yet, all too often, we hear about our co-workers' problems because they can talk about the problems in their sex life or the problems in their um, you know, finances or whatever. You can talk about all that, but if you wanted to talk to them about how you used to have problems similar to theirs, but Jesus came into your heart and helped lead you to a different place, whoa, don't do that. I had somebody come to me once and say, well, if I did that at work, they would fire me. And I thought... Eh, maybe. Maybe before you do it, you ought to get everybody, all the other Christians in the place to do it with you. Could they fire that many? Or do you not have any Christians that work there? And if so, why are you there? I mean, what would happen if they fired all the Christians in the company? That would be a little weird, wouldn't it? How would they run the place? Somebody said, they do it by attrition. They would fire them slowly. <laughs> but then they'd have to start checking to see if you really were a believer or not. You know, all, all too often we, we are so afraid of what will happen and we forget that what we face is maybe ridicule, maybe the loss of a job, maybe, you know, um, embarrassment or ostracism from somebody who you know, doesn't appreciate our viewpoint or whatever. Well, in all honesty, they didn't kill them. You know, they won't kill you. That's what happened to the early Christians. They killed them for doing the very same thing. What would have happened if they hadn't been willing to die? We wouldn't be here. It would have been over right away. But somehow or other we don't even want to be embarrassed. You know, we wonder what's happened to our society, what's happened to our world. I grew up in a place where they didn't have police officers in the high school. Did y'all have police in the high schools and the schools when you were growing up? I mean police officers weren't a problem. I wouldn't have been worried about the police officer. It would have been my dad. That would have been the real fear for me. I mean, forget the police officer. You know, and, and when I went out, all the neighbors had intrinsically, just by birth and the fact of where they live, the right to discipline me. And And what was even worse about it was that Not only would I maybe get disciplined or something, but even if I got away with it, but somebody knew, I knew that by the time I got home, my parents were going to know. And I was on foot and it wasn't that far. And it was going to be worse. I could name you the, the adults who lived around me as I grew up. Somehow I think that we'd have trouble naming all the adults who live around us where we live now. Because in the name of tolerance and acceptance... We become people who don't even know anybody. We become anonymous. And then we wonder how do teachers molest children and how do people do these evil things where they shoot people and how do people do all this bad stuff? Well, they do it because we don't offer anything else because we won't talk about what life is really like. I have to say, the church is not innocent in this either. We are complicit. For a long time, and and what most people believe is that the church would tell people that the solution to life's problems, and you can still go to churches and hear this, is straighten up, fly right, or go to hell. There's a lot of good news in that, isn't there? I mean, that would just really cheer me up. Yes! I'm so pumped up, I want to be a Christian. I mean, that's sort of like blackmail, isn't it? Either either I do what God tells me to do or else I quick fry. Which do I want? I mean, what kind of choice is that? Where are the people who are willing to say, I have sinned? Real sins. And share with the neighbors and, you know, your, your neighbor next door or who's struggling in their marriage. Or the, the people who, uh, the kids who, you know, have gotten into trouble, and, you know, from shoplifting. And go say, you know, I did that. You know, I know what that's like, but something happened to me to where I don't need to do it anymore, and they didn't have to pass a law saying it was illegal, because what happened to me was I decided to surrender my life to Jesus, because I discovered somebody who loved me so much that no matter what I had done, he would be willing to bring me to new life. But we wouldn't do that, would we, because we'd be embarrassed if people knew you know, the best way to teach your kids how to, how to behave is tell them the stupid things you did. And it's sort of a joke around our house. John says, Daddy, I can't get in very much trouble because anything I do, you've probably already done it. I said, that's probably true. <laughs> and I said, and I can tell you why it won't work because I know very well. Um, I said, so you can either learn the hard way <laughs> or you can learn from my mistakes. How many times do parents not even tell their kids the dumb things they did? How many times do they ever tell them about the pain that their own sinfulness brought into their life? Much less how a living, loving Lord changed all that for them. Instead, we'd rather put on masks and pretend that I don't really have any real sins. I'm just a sinner, generically. But I don't have any real ones. But we do. We really do. All of us are broken. None of us live up to the glory of God. And as long as we try to hide behind these masks and pretend that some of us are okay and some of us aren't, you're going to have kids walking into high school shooting people. Because we don't offer them a solution. We just tell them they're bad. And they're wrong. And even more so, we're not willing to suffer the consequences for telling them the solution. Imagine that if you did, applied that to everything in your life. You went to work and said, look, I want this job and I want to be paid, but I don't have to do anything. I mean, that wouldn't work, would it? Or I want dinner, but I don't want to have to fix it. Of course, that would mean you're a husband or a kid probably. But... <laughs> but... Uh, I mean, you don't get through life and do nothing. So what's the solution to try harder, be better, have integrity, you know, be fine and upstanding? Well, has anybody here taught their kids to be dishonest, to be deceitful, and, you know, to to steal whatever you can and, and, you know, knock anybody out of your way that's in your way? So why isn't it working? Would those of you who are parents say that all your kids always did all those things? No. Would you say you did those things (laughs) when you were a kid new? Because we don't. What we need is a little honesty about who and what we really are to become truly confessional people. People who have been broken, but by the grace of Jesus Christ, he healed us because we sacrificed our own life and gave it to him because that's what it means to take up your cross and follow him it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have to die although there have been and still are christian martyrs who die for the faith but it does mean you're going to have to surrender your willfulness you're going to have to surrender your plans surrender what you know to be right and believe i'm going to follow jesus and i'm going to do what he tells me is right now that doesn't mean follow a preacher because preachers are human it doesn't mean follow a politician because politicians are human it means listen to Jesus and allow him to live in and through you because you will never ever attain you know that kind of perfection except for through him does anybody here believe that T.J. Lane would have walked into Chardon High School with a gun if he'd known Jesus Christ, really known him Well, there are an awful lot of us and not that many T.J. Lanes out there. Why is it that we seem to have so much trouble telling them? Why is it that we allow some people who, for whatever reason, probably because they've been injured by the church, decide they have a vendetta against the church to tell us that we can't have our own faith and that we can't share good news? Not the kind of news, by the way, and this is probably the reason why they started doing this stuff. Not the kind of news that you must do this or else. That's not good news about how much God loves you because you did stupid things and He did this for you and you have been changed and transformed in this way because of Him. Not because of a law, not because of any, you you know, brilliance on your part. If you've been that brilliant, you wouldn't have done it to begin with. But only because you gave it up and gave it to God. You know, it's amazing. It works great in AA if you've ever know people who are in AA or something once they surrender the drinking to give the bottle to God give the drinking to God um, it's amazing how much better they do but what we don't get is very much further down because eventually you have to go tell people about what God has done for you, you spread the word, there's a way out of this and it's a huge movement that has brought a lot of people into sobriety not everybody but everybody who was willing to listen. And in the meantime, we have to be willing to pay the price. We have to be willing to stand up and be counted and say we believe. If we continue to put our trust in the world, you're going to get preachers who we find out have clay feet and end up doing self-serving things, and we're going to be disappointed. If you end up putting your faith in the world, you're going to find you have teachers and professors that are teaching your kids things that you don't believe are true, and then you want to object to it. If we end up putting our faith in the world, you're going to have politicians who, although they may talk about these glorious and wonderful things, you're also going to get a robocall that tells you what a demon your opponent is we will never go anywhere because it's not about us it's about Jesus I for one am tired of children killing children I don't know about you all but it's getting old and somewhere it's got to stop and it has to stop with us somebody has to begin to say enough we're not doing